Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Hello, good evening. Welcome to Eyewitness News coming to you live from our studios in Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Salom Adunu. Tonight I'm here with Coming up over the next 90 minutes, Health Ministry summons management of Kolibu Teaching Hospital over a new cost for dialysis. Meanwhile, hospital says the new fee structure is yet to be implemented. We will speak to government on their development. Also coming up. It is important to lend our voices and our support to our people back home. And we see the hardship conditions that have been done from healthcare, education system to our infrastructure system. Some Ghanaians in the UK protest against what they call hardship and poor governance in Ghana in solidarity with the occupied Julobi House protesters. We will tell you more in the program. Still on Eyewitness News, the countdown is over. The biggest corporate Ghana sporting event, the City Business Olympic, comes off tomorrow with over 100 companies ready to do battle for bragging rights at the Eden High Sports Complex. Uh, and that will be happening tomorrow. More later on this. Stay with 97.3 uh, City FM for more on this and other stories on Eyewitness News and in business. IMF as government to fast-track agreement with bilateral creditors as mission staff is set to conclude first review of Ghana's program. There is more in business in the next 50 minutes. Uh, Eyewitness News is live across the country on all our affiliates and around the globe at citynewsroom.com. In the western region, we are on Premier 100.5 FM in Takradi, Beach 100.105.5 FM also in Takradi, and Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi. On Greener, 95.9 FM in Sunyani in the Bono region, Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi in the Ashanti region. We are also on Right 90.1 FM in Somania in the eastern region, in the Volta region, we are live on Holy 98.5 FM in Aflao. In the Northern region, we are on Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi. And in Zuarungu, in the Upper East region, we are on Wed 88.3 FM. And in the Upper West region, we are on Bugli Radio 88.6 FM in uh, while your comments are welcome via our WhatsApp line 0549986996. You can follow me on Twitter at Selom. I don't know the hashtag as always is City Newsroom. We'll take the first story. The Health Ministry has summoned an urgent meeting with management of the Kolobutichin Hospital over a new fee being charged kidney patients who visit the renal unit of the facility for dialysis session. The Kolobutichin Hospital has come under intense criticism following reports of a review of its dialysis charges. The Chief Executive Officer of the hospital, Dr. Opoku Wariampoma, tells City News six people have been affected by the new charges and the situation will be remedied. Fortunately, this was noticed very quickly, and so uh, at, as 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 you know, when we checked, only about six people had uh, you know paid this amount, and it's going to be offset because these are uh, patients who are um, I mean chronic dialysis, so it's going to be offset. So uh, so it was picked up very early before it had uh, you know many people had uh, you know, paid this amount. So it has already been internally remedied, and um, uh, you know. We also look at, I mean, internally we are 
looking at what went wrong and how to avoid it next time. So that was Dr. Pokuwari Ampoma. He's a chief executive officer for the Kolibutichin Hospital. And now tensions run high outside the Ghana High Commission in U London when some Ghanaians from across the United Kingdom gathered to voice their concerns about the state of governance and the economic turndown. Downturn, I beg your pardon, a little over 100 persons with placards with various inscriptions converged at the diplomatic premises to make their concerns heard. While they hoped the High Commission, Papa Uswankuma, would address them on their concerns, reports indicate that the diplomat drove off without engaging the protesters. Here is Corbin Alfori. He's a convener of the... ...concerned citizens about the current hardship conditions in Ghana. We in the diaspora are not oblivious to what's happening in Ghana. We've all got families in Ghana. I have my, my whole family in Ghana, mom, dad, uh, siblings, all live in Ghana. So we follow Ghana uh, in terms of what's happening. Some of us also have businesses in Ghana. So we do have a state. At the end of the day, we were born in Ghana. We will come back and settle in Ghana. We're just here. So we thought that, look, it is important to lend our voices and our support to our people back home. And we see the hardship conditions that in Ghana, from healthcare, education system, to our infrastructure system, bad roads, people are dying every single day. We turn into a country where we celebrate funerals more than we celebrate lives. Kobinal Furi is a convener for the Young Activists for Ghana protest. And now we take our attention to the City Business Olympics, which is set to take place with over 60 companies from various sectors competing in less than 24 hours at the Eden High Sports Complex in Wajakra. This event is expected to be a competitive and fun-filled day of sports and camaraderie among the participa participating companies. There's more in this report. All right, so we'll get our report to you a bit later. But for now, we, we, we hit the line and go to the United Kingdom, where a number of Ghanaians have protested against what they call hardship and poor governance in our country. Um, and if you recall, a couple of days ago, the Occupy Julobi protest uh, took place in Ghana for a number of days and, and, and all the issues that dogged that particular protest. Now, these protesters in the UK say they, are, they did so today in solidarity with their colleagues in the Democracy, Democracy Hub organizers of the uh, Occupy Julobi uh, protest. Um, on the line now is Kobnal Fori, who is uh, a convener of the Young Activists for Ghana, uh, and he's joined us on the line to, to bring us up to speed on why exactly they decided to undertake this protest today. Hello, good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. What are the concerns, or what concerns underpinned your, your protest today? Um, our concerns, thank you very much. Our concerns are not any different from uh, what our brothers and sisters are currently doing uh, back home in Ghana. We wanted to occupy the London Ghana High Commission to air our grievances in support of our people back home uh, because we believe that Ghanaians are currently experiencing a lot of hardship conditions that the government is not paying attention to priorities to ensuring that people can have three square meals a day, that our infrastructure and our healthcare and our procurement systems are in a better place, that we went to the streets to ensure accountability uh, because we believe that we are all public, uh, we should all be protectors of the public press. And so if there are budgetary allocations to your office as a ministry or as an MP or, the, or as an MD, you need to come and account to the people for how much you have spent. Uh, 
so so uh, Kamla, I, I i think we're having a difficulty with your line you may want to reposition yourself or we'll call you back on a better one uh, so this is eyewitness news on 97.3 uh city fm um we we are coming to you live from our studios here at number 11 dr martin lupin adabraka in accra uh, the story we, we were just bringing to you before the line went bad is that uh some you know uh some some Ghanaians in the uk uh gathered today to protest you know about what they call uh the poor economic situation in ghana uh, and 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 what they perceive as poor governance uh of the country by the country's leaders they think that even though they are outside the country, their relations are in Ghana, and so they are equally affected by whatever happens in the country. Uh, so th that's that's the issue we're dealing with currently. And we have uh, Kobno Fori, who is a convener of the group, uh, um, just speaking to us. He joined us back on the line. Yes, Kobno, you are, you are making a point about what actually underpinned your, your, your campaign today. Yes, thank you very much. So I was saying that um, our concerns are not any different from democracy hub. Uh, we went to the Ghana to occupy the Ghana London High Commission because we believe that diasporans are not oblivious to the hardship conditions um, currently in Ghana. And so we want to lend our voices and our support to show the solidarity with our people back home, our brothers and sisters, because a lot of a lot of us have got a stake in Ghana. Some of us have got businesses, uh, we do remittances to Ghana, we've got families and friends in Ghana, we've got is our only home. So it's only right for us to show solidarity and also add our voices to the hardship conditions that we are currently seeing. We are asking our politicians to come correct or anybody in a position where they find themselves to be uh, a protector of the government press, that you need to come correct and account to the people for how much you are spending, whether it's in the area of sports, whether it's in the area of agriculture, whether it's in whether it's in healthcare, we want to see uh, a change because Ghanaians deserve better. Look at our road systems; it's not any any good. It was just recently when we uh, are attending news that the diaspora came to Ghana to visit um, on tourism purposes, used the Kumasi Accra uh, roads, and now she unfortunately has lost her life. How many lives have we lost? Road. And, you know, we believe that there's now been a culture celebrated in Ghana, that we celebrate funerals on Saturdays more than using that energy to investigate the cause of mortality rates in Ghana. Right? Politicians spend hours going from one funeral to the next instead of celebrating life. This is not what we want Ghana to be. We want Ghana to be a country that is proactive that works for its people, a country that looks to find solutions to the problems of the people, that people can afford to get jobs, people can afford to put square meals on their tables, and people can be happy and excited in the country that they live in. We are losing our labor, our manpower to other countries, in the healthcare center, health center, nurses are talking out like it's never happened before, because there are better conditions elsewhere. So why wouldn't they go? Why is the government not paying attention to all these things? But rather, we have a government that is concerned about breaking uh, breaking eggs rather than focusing on bread and butter issues that are affecting Ghanaians. So we in the diaspora, we 
grievances. But unfortunately, we were targeted at the police people that we are foreigners and that we cannot be, uh, we cannot be heard, we will not be listened. And the High Commissioner used the back door, left, and we still tried to get him, get his attention. But unfortunately, I'm not seeing, I'm not sure if you've seen some of the videos um, on social media. We tried to have a message or to have a conversation with him, but he just went into his car. And unfortunately, that's the situation we find ourselves. Yes, your, your, your line is still giving us some difficulty. But did I hear you say that the police said you were foreigners and so you couldn't protest? Is, is that correct? Yeah. Is that what you said? That's correct. So can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Not, not, not quite. Uh, we're struggling, but you may want to reposition yourself. I don't know where it's coming from, really. Yes, I'll, but... I'll try to reposition myself. Can, mm. I, can you hear me now, please? No, you just let, let, let's see how it goes. Yes, so uh, we were tagged as uh, foreigners or police people. They just used several countries to address us that we are not Ghanaians. We will not be heard. Our concerns are not valid. We are just there to punish the image of the government. And we will not be heard. And that's literally what happened. The High Commissioner left and went through the back door without addressing our concerns. Our genuine concerns as Ghanaian citizens was not heard today. I, I see. So, so um, the, yeah, very well. I mean, but the, the issue of hardship is not just in Ghana. You're in the UK, and we, we know that, that, that the UK is also facing its own fair share of hardships. Uh, we, we know about the difficulties uh, with unprecedented housing crisis, you know, young people complaining that they've been increasingly excluded from home ownership, you know, many things. So it's not, it's just, it's not just a, a situation for Ghana. And indeed, this is coming on the back of what we experienced in the COVID-19 and then now in the Russian-Ukraine war. Many governments are having to deal with these two global matters. So why, given that you, you are in a place where you should appreciate these things better, don't you think you should cut the government some slack, given that a lot of the things we do in this country, talking about infrastructure, etc., a lot of these things are, you know, have had to be put on hold because funding for these have dried up because of, of challenges, you know, the globe has been facing because of these twin crises I mentioned. Uh, you, yeah, um, I, I, the question that you've raised, listen, we, we could have just stayed in our homes and just simply like not done anything in support of our brothers and sisters. But that is not the Ghanaian spirit. The Ghanaian spirit is solidarity. The Ghanaian spirit is unity. The Ghanaian spirit is sharing our views and, and, and making our voices heard. Look, let me give you an example. If you're a footballer and you are you have an injury, right? You you get you get seen by a team doctor, right? And then your team doctor will show you your recovery plan. On what you need to do to get back, uh, to get to get back to active active, uh, uh, active play, right? So you have your diet, everything will be checked properly, so you can't be eating uh, uh, any anything at all. But in Ghana, we are in uh, clinical condition. Let's say uh, we are in a position where we things are not going right but we still have a lot of waste in the system. We are not managing our resources properly. Like, look at the sanitation ministry. One person has a stack of money in, in, in her room. And it's a sanitation budget, 43 million pounds to dredge uh, a donor river. At the end of the day, 
we see the rivers flooding every 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 time. We have budgetary allocations to pay uh, people who are studying abroad. They don't get paid. These are things that have been budgeted for and have been allocated for. Why is it that nobody? Why is it that nobody's asking the hard and difficult questions? That where is the money you are budgeting for yourself? You've not gone to IMF to take more money, but yet people are still getting the hardship. So these are genuine concerns that people are raising. Now, look, you have a budgetary allocation for roads, you have a budgetary allocation for the sports ministry, and and, and for so on and so forth. Yeah, these are these are problems generally faced by third world countries because the the challenges are many. That's how come that's, we that's, often that's run the budget problem. deficits. You know that the budgets. That's the, that's, the, that's the problem. You see, we say that this is a third world country, and we rather want to predict or our, our ourselves. But if if we drill down, we drill down and remove all the layers, you will see that there's a lot of waste in the system. Like, look at the health sector, like dialysis machine. How much does it cost? And, and you see pictures online. People are, are holding torches, right, in the health surgery uh, room. This could be you. This could be me. I could be in Ghana next month, and I could find myself in health uh, health center. Um, are we telling ourselves that we don't have the funds to buy simple equipment for our doctors to take good care of us? That we don't have the funds to pay our nurses well, so that they stay in the country and deliver good services. We are right doing ourselves a disservice, and these are the things that we want to focus on and highlight on. And if the government feels that we are distracted and they will not listen to us and they will not form a working group with us, we will also continue to make our voices heard. So that's the point that we are driving home. That look, focus on the basics. There are a lot of things that are not priority. Breaking the age is not a priority. It's not a concern for Ghanaians. Focus on making the 1.8 million uh, housing deficit. Your focus so that the Ghanaians living and Ghanaians living under shelter, Ghanaians who have no shelter, who have no roofs over their heads, can also find somewhere they can call home. These are the basic concerns that we want government to focus on, so that when we see, we will also be excited that oh yes, we are from Ghana, our economy is doing well. My brother, let me tell you. Inflation rate in the country is like 43%, right? Because now we're sent into a country where we are only, we are not importing, we are only importing, we are not producing, right? 43%. Some of us, if you've got business, you're looking for an investor to come into the country and invest. They are looking to return more than 43% because they don't want to make a loss. How does that keep you in business as a businessman? How does that put food, put food on your table? Economic issues that we need to address, and it trickles down to youth employment. It trickles down to providing jobs because if I can bring business into, into the country, then we can create jobs. This is how this 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 is the reality of the ground. So we need to think outside the box. The government needs to open an extend an, an expensive uh, extended arm, invite the protesters in, and say, "Look, brothers and sisters, we've heard you that you've got genuine concerns." How do we address the issues that you are raising? How do we form a consensus? Maybe the things that we prioritize is not good enough. It's not a bread and butter issue for Ghanaians. Maybe we should change our strategy. These are the things that we are by taking and trying to position. They don't want to listen to anybody. I, I, I see. I for one, I the... for one, I for one, I'm an MPP person. But I've come out to say my truth that indeed things are not going well. So I joined the 
that the things that are signed up for as a political party is being is being implemented. So these are the genuine concerns that people are, are, are coming on the streets to give, and we don't need to tag them as NDC or or, or NDC and NPP. The visions that we were shown is not what we are seeing today. We are, all we are asking for is for them to come again, for them to review their system, for them to review their plans, so that we can have a better Ghana that we all need. Very well. But uh, does it worry you that the, uh, the, the, the... But first of all, I mean, did you notify the embassy that you were going to undertake any such thing and that you want the High Commissioner to receive a petition or to address you or anything? Did you notify them? Did they know you were coming? We put our consent and we, we, we didn't have to notify them because we know that they are there. They are working for us as Ghanaian citizens. And this is a no, no, I'm not. I'm not asking whether you notify them as a requirement for you to undertake the protest because you said you were disappointed that the uh, the, the high commissioner drove away. I just wanted to find out whether he was on notice that you you guys were coming there, and and despite that, he, he left you. When we got there, right, we were received by this uh, disruptors um, who were people. Uh, who were there to portray? I thought, you know, they, they saw our posters online. They knew that we would be coming. Definitely, they knew that we would be coming, right? So they had the time to go and hire brass band people to come and stand in front of the High Commission and hold back to portray the achievements of the government. And I believe that all that energy that went into hiring a brass band, doing placards, to come and resist the people who are coming to protest and, and, and airing their genuine concerns could have been rather invested in having an open discussion. So definitely the High Commission, the High Commissioner knew what was going to happen. And when we got there, we got wind that he was there. But nobody said a word to us. We were rather tired as Togolese people. We are foreigners. We don't have genuine concerns. We have political uh, uh, connections. And nobody's going to listen to us. At the end of the day, our thoughts were validated because that's exactly what we, we expected, that they would not listen to us. And indeed, that's what happened. It's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. And, and you should see the young people. Like, you should see their faces for yourself. I, I see. So about how many, how, many, how many young people, about how many were, were you on, on the protest? We were over 50 people over there. I over see. 50 people, people. You have just what? Yes. Hello. All right. So, so I, I, I think we, on that note, to conclude uh, the interview with Kabno Fori, uh, they, they undertook a protest today at you know the the High Commission, Ghana's High Commission in 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 London in the United Kingdom, and their major issue was that the High Commissioner saw them but drove away. Uh, nobody listened to them. Nobody received any petition from them. Nobody addressed them. And that for them is a major, major concern. They said they are demos they were demonstrating in solidarity with what happened in Ghana recently with the uh, Occupy Julobi House. And that the uh, Ghanaians they feel the difficulties Ghana and their relations in Ghana face and that they were protesting against what they call the 
poor economic hardship and poor governance our country is facing or experiencing. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. A number of your text messages and tweets have come through. Uh, this one uh, from uh, James Adoboin last says, Good evening, Salam. I want to commend a young activist in the United Kingdom uh, who, without fear or favor, defied all the odds to replicate the occupied lobby uh, house demo far away in the UK. Zalex Duane in London says, I was part of the demonstration. Papa Usuankoma used the back door and drove away. It's unacceptable, you see. Um, Akapol Jr. Uh, from Ahafu, Mim, says, How on earth should there be an implementation of such an increment at the blind side of the CEO of Kolewu? My only fear is that the summon will lead us nowhere. Uh, Razak uh, from Boku says, In fact, the dialysis new fee must be reversed. We can't accept this in addition to the existing hardship in the country. Enough is enough, Mr. President. Jagos from Nsawam says, The Kolobu Teaching Hospital must know that the hardship in the economy is so strong, so why must they increase this dialysis price uh, without any consultation? Uh, see, Ghanaian, see, Ghanaians are really suffering nowadays, so Kolobu Hospital must not send us into our early grave at all. I will take a short break, return, and bring you some more stories. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF, and I will do some health story. Now, uh, the Ministry of Health has summoned uh, an urgent meeting with the management of the Kolebu Teaching Hospital over a new fee being charged kidney, kidney dialysis patients uh, who visit the renal unit of the facility. I've been joined on the line by Isaac Baofori, uh, Isaac Baofei, who is a public relations officer of the Health Ministry. Uh, to help us reconcile really what's been happening between the ministry and, and the Kolobu Teaching Hospital. Uh, hello, good evening, Isaac. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Is it a case that the Kolobu Teaching Hospital could go ahead without consultation and implement, you know, a new fee structure for any of its services? Is that how it works? No. And good evening to your cherished uh, listeners. No, in the first place, the process is that you come up with a proposal discussed at the management level, and this agreed will be forwarded to the Ministry of Health. If the Ministry agreed to the terms and charges, the Ministry then forward that to Parliament for consideration and approval before it can be charged as fees at the various institutions. And so if that is not done, any fee that is being charged becomes illegal. In the case of these dialysis issues, the chief executive himself has come out to admit the fact that they have not informed the ministry and they have not confirmed the charges at Kolebu. And so the issue now is how come that that, case, that fee is not approved and is being charged on the patients? And so it is in line with that that the ministry has summoned the Honorable Minister first ordered that that charges should not be charged on the patients. With immediate effect, they should revert back to the old charges, which the chief executive himself has admitted that, look, we had intention to increase. 
but we have not confirmed at our management level that this is the amount of charges that we're going to take. And that when we charge, when we agree, they are supposed to forward a document to the ministry indicating that this is the charges we are proposing. It's going to be a proposal. It can only be approved by parliament. And so the old charges is reversed back. But then we have summoned the ministry, uh, the, the, the uh, management of Kolebu teaching hospitals. They are invited to come for a proper negotiation and to explain how come and why that issue should happen at this critical moment. I see. It's, uh, I understand Kolibu runs a certain system where some centers, you call them centers of excellence, etc. I don't know if the renal uh, department is one of those, where they are semi-autonomous or they are autonomous and they take their own decisions. Is, is that correct? And so their decisions usually uh, have very little uh, input from the chief executive or even from the ministry. Is that not a similar thing we are seeing playing out in this circumstance? No, it's not like that any institution that is under Kolebu is directly under the Ministry of Health. Kolebu is an agency to the Ministry of Health. And so if the chief executive had an oversight responsibility or over management responsibility over any of these institutions that is within Kolebu, that particular institution cannot be an institution that is not under the Ministry of Health. And this renal unit is under Kolebu management. And because it's, of, it's part of Kolebu, a teaching hospital it is directly under the Ministry of Health. And that also is not in contention now. That is not in contention at all. The issue now is how come the charges and why the charges? Is it legal for them to charge? And then after the discussion or the deliberations, we're going to look at the proper way forward and how we're going to take it out from there. But how often do you review uh, the, the fees and charges of, of your agencies, like Kolebu, you know, Kolebu, for example? How often are these charges reviewed? Um, that depends on the, on the management of the agency. When there is the need for an adjustment or review of prices, they make that proposal. And so that is, those decisions are taken at their level. But then when you finish and you agree as management, you have to forward that to the ministry. For the ministry to forward it to parliament for proper approval before it is taking effect. If that is not done, you can't propose a charge there, go ahead straight away and say that you are charging when it is not being approved by parliament. Once it is not being approved, it becomes illegal. So it can be quarterly, it can be annually, but whichever way it has to come to the ministry to parliament for approval. But, but they've been doing this for years, and so they know the process, they know the procedure. Why do you think on this call they decided to go on their own and do it without recourse to the ministry? I think that um, we will leave that for them, and when we meet them as uh, a team, we're going to look at that. I, we know the chief executive, all right, he's a very good man, a hardworking man, a medical officer at the place, and he's done a lot of good jobs there. So these are issues that we are all buffering, and we at the meeting, we're going to look at it. We are human. Sometimes we make certain minor, minor mistakes. But with this one, we'll look at it and see how best it Even before the meeting, would you agree that there should be some justification for the increment, given the, 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 the high cost of things, consumables, etc.? I mean, there should obviously be some justification for the increase. Your only issue is that the right procedures were not followed. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, um, I cannot uh, confirm the justification because the conditions for which they want to increase have not even been put on paper for us or it's not even 
forwarded to the Ministry for us to look at it to see whether it is justified to increase or not. And so but, if but, you agree that there should be justification now, on what, on what condition, what is the effect, why the justification? So what we want to hear from them, even if you want to increase, what, what is the justification? What is the reason? And then when they bring it up, I think the ministry will also look at it, put it at the proper place that it's supposed to be. I see. So what happens now after the meeting? Of course, it's after the meeting that you find the reason why they did so. And if heads must rule or you must press charges, I mean, you must sanction any of them, you, you, you do. But what, what possibly do you, do you think will happen in this meeting, given that they went ahead without informing the mother ministry? Now it has brought a lot of, I mean, you know, bad press to the ministry and government in general. Yes, when you look at it critically, you, you see clearly that the chief executive himself humbled. He came out to indicate that this is a real mistake that has happened on their part. And so we, I will pray that we leave everything for management and the, uh, the chief executive. Because he himself has come out, started, he had already started correcting the abnormalities. And so it will be pretty judicious uh, for us to talk about the sanctions now. However... We leave that for management to take that decision. I see. Uh, so when are we to hear from you again on this matter? When is the meeting? And when are we to hear from you again on this? If all things go well, we will meet tomorrow. Otherwise, by Monday, we should come out with a statement or a declaration on that particular issue. So to be clear, if, if, if uh, uh, kidney patients want to undergo their usual dialysis, they are going to be charged the old fees and not the new one? Yes, the old fees and not the new one. And if anybody go and anybody is charged the new fee, that person can press on a receipt to make up a case because nobody is supposed to charge the new fee. It is the old fee that we all know. So we, we are, from the from what the, the chief executive told us yesterday or so, suggests about six people uh, were affected by the new charges. And and but what does your investigation tell you? We we are picking up signals that more than six people might have paid the new charges. What's your investigation telling you? Um. I think I will leave that and add it to our next communication. Very well. Uh, thanks so much, Isaac Bar of uh, Public Relations Officer yes. for the Ministry of Health. Thank you very much. Speaking to us on this uh, matter of the Ministry of Health, someone in the Kolebu uh, teaching hospital management in respect of the new charges of fees for kidney dialysis. Uh, they say the fees were not approved by the ministry, neither were they approved by parliament, and so that makes it improper and illegal for them to charge. Indeed, the chief executive officer of the hospital, Dr. Pukuwari uh, Ampoma, told Omaru Sanda yesterday that uh, those affected uh, were just about six, and then the situation will be remedied. Uh, we await to see what you know the communication will be after that. Uh, meeting eyewitness news on 97.3 city fm um we'll take a short break uh we'll return and we'll tell you more don't go away eyewitness news be there as it happens let your voice be heard on eyewitness news on facebook at facebook.com forward slash city 97.3 twitter at twitter.com forward slash city 973 and instagram at instagram.com forward slash city 973 with the hashtag eyewitness news 
Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Many of your messages um, have been coming through. Uh, this particular one from um, the UK, uh, it says that uh, the in, in respect of the, the, the protest story we did for you, said that he said that the protesters had no petition. Uh, he said it was two groups uh, that gathered at the High Commission. One looked prepared, the other didn't. Uh, this He go, goes ahead to say that they never requested audience with the High Commissioner. Uh, the police said the demonstration was meant to end at 1.30. Uh, they protested, numbered about 15, whereas those singing the praises of government numbered about 22. <laughs> the demo went on. A few people passing by joined, but left after a short while. This is what uh, someone is telling us, and he says his friend works at the High Commission. Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Now, there's some issue uh, brewing at the Tema Oil Refinery. If you recall, uh, the, the that institution has been in some uh, uh, has been in in some difficulty between the man. There's been some difficulty between the management and and, and the senior uh, uh, staff association in respect of the uh, Torenko deal. The Torenko, it's it's a company that uh, the Tema Oil Refinery uh, uh, has had some arrangement with to help resuscitate. Uh, that organization or that entity uh, to make it viable so it can continue, it can begin producing uh, uh, oil so the organization is, 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 is awakened from its current state. Now, some members of the Senior Management Association uh, were not happy with the deal. Um, I'm sure they, they spoke to them and a few things you know, uh, happened. Now, they are raising some other issue in respect of uh, a tall workers charity trust uh, in in the whole arrangement and they say that they think that this uh, workers charity trust uh, is just something to placate the workers who are unhappy with the Torenko arrangement uh, the senior uh, the, 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 the national chairman of the uh, General Transport Petroleum and Chemical Workers Union um, has joined us on the line to help us appreciate really the concerns from the point of view of, of the of the members of the association. Hello, uh, uh, good evening, Bernardo Usu. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on Eyewitness News. What really is the concern of your members in respect of uh, this workers' charity trust uh, uh, that is coming up now? Hello? Hello? Well, we, we don't seem to have uh, Bernardo Wusu on the line. We'll, we'll rework the line to get him so he speaks to uh, the issues. In the meantime, um, we have some more stories. Now, the Ministry of Sanitation and Water Resources is calling on traditional authorities, opinion leaders, and local assemblies to act against illegal mining activities that threaten access to clean water and the safety of aquatic life. The ministry is concerned that Ghana's water treatment plants could be severely impacted by these activities. The Minister for Sanitation, Frida Prempe, stressed the health risk associated with the use of heavy metals in illegal mining activities, highlighting the urgent need to address this issue. We should all not be oblivious of the impact of illegal mining on our fresh water resources. Aquatic life and fauna are being destroyed through these nefarious activities. The health of human beings, aquatic species, and other animals, they rely and survive on these water bodies is under threat as a result of the assimilation of heavy metals, such as mercury and arsenic, which have been deposited in these water bodies. 
We therefore take this opportunity to once again appeal to our traditional authorities, our major stakeholders, our opinion leaders, our assemblies, to ensure that we have a cleaner environment. I believe that if a Chinese person or a Chinese group of people come to Diang Kwanta or they come to my constituency, they don't even know my area. They use the opinion leaders, they use the traditional authorities who are the custodians of our land. So all this Galamse fight, I believe that the traditional authorities really have a role to play. And we should all come on board to support this fight against Galamse. Frida Prempa is the Minister for Sanitation and Water Resources. Very well. So now we'll go back on the line to the line and speak to uh, Bernardo Wusu, who is National Chairman of the General Transport Petroleum and Chemical Workers Union on the Torenko Tor issue and what the, uh, uh, the, the, the Staff Association uh, has been saying in respect of transparency in, in the whole transaction and what the Workers' Charity Trust and all of that will mean for, for, for them. Hello, good evening, uh, Bernardo Wusu. Welcome to Eyewitness News. What really are the concerns uh, of your members? First of all, let me thank you for this opportunity. Our concerns is clear that we have had, we have had this uh, Torenko deal on the table. We have raised concerns that, well, the their own due diligence, the Torenko group don't have the technical know-how, don't even have the money to even invest in this project. Uh, we just wake up uh, some few days ago and we are told that now there is a new dissolve. Uh, Thema company named Thema something something that is going to take over the, uh, the arrangement. So the question that we are asking is that how come that one company has changed its name from uh, D1? Now we can count more than four companies in this transaction. And now we have this charity fund thing that we as workers of the refinery, we have not been told what this charity fund is. And we are being told that the senior staff union of uh, what do you call uh, Thor, uh, our brothers from the Yirikov, they have ascended to this transaction. And we think if management and the board have done that, they've acted on a very bad feat. So you, you suspect that the management of Thor is, is dividing the workers' front by getting one side you know, to sign on to the deal as the other doesn't agree. Is that a suspicion? It's not a suspicion, but that is the reality. And even to the extent that we are even financing the other group to even collapse our union at all. They've gone around to share money to workers to, to sort of uh, to leave our union to, to have one, uh, what do you call, uh, hardware for the union with the Unicorn uh, what you call uh, the the group, but let me use this your platform. But you know, and because these are wild allegations you are making that the the the, the top management is using money to influence a section of the workers against the other. I mean that that's quite a wild allegation. What proof do you have? It cannot it cannot be it cannot be a wild. I know your platform is a very big platform, and everything that I say, uh, I cannot just say it. The board is involved, especially the technical uh, the committee chairman, one Mr. Appington. We have him on record that when you call him on phone, he will ask you whether you are calling from Unicoff or you are calling from GTPCW. And if you say that you are calling from GTPCW, 
he would not like even to talk to you. And ever since we met at the Trade Union Congress with uh, the Secretary General, Dr. Ba, and we raised our concerns to them that, look, these contracts that you want to sort of uh, uh, bring on board, we are not against it. But per your own due diligence report, indicates that you don't have the technical know-how, you don't have the financial capacity, you don't have the track record, and there are certain legal issues that have been raised. Only for us to wake up and now we have Thema Energy and Processing Limited. And my brother, have you heard of these companies named anywhere in Ghana before that they, are, they have the capacity to run what you call the only refinery that Osadi Fu Dr. Kwame Kuma has left with us? Have you heard this name before? No. And we think that it is not proper. It is not right. The board and the management should come clear with us. We are human beings like them. It is just opportunity that the government of the day has given them to run the refinery. We should come and let's sit down and let's put our ideas together and ensure that we have a very good deal. But with what we are having on table now, as a union, we are not in support of what is happening. And if that is the reason why they want to collapse our union at all, so be it. They, they say this new entity, uh, uh, the uh, uh, the the Thema Energy and Processing Limited, uh, which is becoming the new lessee for the proposed transaction. Uh, they say the essence of 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 it is to uh, broaden uh, the base, the investor base, uh, and to diversify. The, I mean, to diversify the investor base to include the Thor Workers Charity Trust, you know, in, in the new SPV, that obviously should be good because they're trying to broaden their investor base and also including a workers' charity trust, you know, whatever it means, to the whole arrangement. And by, by the, 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 the name, it means that workers will have a stake and a bigger stake in, in the running of the organization. Is that not the case? My brother, this is why I am talking to you on radio. If you want to do something for me, which is good, and you don't have any malice or you don't have any bad motive around it. Why are you hiding it from us? Why are you not involving us? We have been in the refinery. We are the first union. Okay? That was established in the petroleum, uh, what do you call, sector. We've been around for the past 50 years. We are not just an ordinary union. We are a union of a membership of almost eight express companies and you are doing this and you hide it from us you are not telling us anything you are not giving us any information of whatsoever we just got up one day and we have this letter going around that there's a, a tall charity uh what do you call whatever are we slaves my brother even currently slaves have a right so if they think that what you are doing is right why are they hiding it from us as workers of the uh, company, I've spoken to my chair lady, I've spoken to section of even the managers of the refinery, I've, I've, I've spoken to the rank and file, and nobody seems to be aware of this, except the senior staff, what do you call, union. All right. Uh, very well. well. We'll be watching this space, and we wish you the very best in your engagements with the well, tour management. Well, on Monday, on Monday, we are we will be having a press conference, and let me use this opportunity to invite you, and we will come up and ensure that everybody who is involved in this transaction 
who is doing something which is not right will be exposed. Very well. Uh, we wish you the very best. The National Chairman, General Transport, Petroleum and Chemical Workers Union uh, at the Tema Oil Refinery speaking to us on that. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City uh, FM. Now, uh, tomorrow is, is a big day, uh, the biggest corporate Ghana sporting event. The City Business Olympics um, happens tomorrow, uh, and many, many, many companies are ready to do battle for uh, the bragging rights, and the event is happening at the Eden Heights Sports Complex behind the Wessels Mall at Wager. Uh, the head of uh, events and partnerships here at City FM and City TV, Frema Edunyami, uh, is being on the beat. She's been running up and down to just ensure uh, that tomorrow's event, you know, uh, goes on well. She's joined me on the line. Hi, Frema. Uh, good evening. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Are we ready? Good evening, Salam. We are super ready. I'm currently at the Eden Transport Complex, and when you get here, you see all the qualities are. I mean, the football park has been demarcated. We are just ready. We are waiting. The checkup is busily going on, and um, it's really looking good. Wow. So how many companies are we expecting in all? So we are expecting um, about 65 companies tomorrow. And this is minus sponsors. This is minus vendors. So the participating companies, we have 65 companies. I see. And so what, what should uh, the patrons or the companies attending the event, what should they expect? You know, what kinds of games will be up, you know, for participation, etc.? What should they expect generally? So they should expect a very relaxed atmosphere where we will be networking, you know, through games. And it's very important for us to do this. You know, most of the time we are in our offices, sitting behind our computers, that it's time to meet each other. You know, it's super amazing that we have um, over 60 corporate institutions in one place. I mean, you can imagine the kind of conversations and the kind of business you know, that can be discussed. So tomorrow we are playing football, we have the sack race, we have swimming, we have uh, line phone, travel, fairs. Um, the CEO challenge, you know, we have the mm. long tennis, we have table tennis. We have everything that you can think of tomorrow is happening here. Wow. So how about Jama? You know, there, there are many of us who are interested in the Jama. Um, just to uh, uh, reminisce our, our university days, uh, I mean, is, is I a Jama that. session? Or do you have a, call, a, a, a section or a corner for, for, for Jama? <laughs> it's not tomorrow that Jama is happening. And I, I, I think that after CBO, we probably have to send a petition to the Sports Council and the Sports Ministry <laughs> to officially make Jama a sport because people are very much interested in the Jama and they, they really have quite a comment to give us the Jama <laughs> and every company is really very up for this and we're going to get amazing sessions tomorrow. Very well. So what time does the event start tomorrow? So at eight, the robots will be on and the little by line all the sports and activities will start. Very well. Thanks so much, Frima Edunyami, working so hard to, to make this event happen. Uh, Frima Edunyami is the head of um, events and partnerships here at City TV and City FM, uh, speaking to us on tomorrow's big, big, big event, uh, the City Business Olympics at the Eden Heights uh, Sports Complex um, behind the Wessels Mall at Wager. Eyewitness News on 97. Point three City FM. It's time for City Business News, but that will happen after this break. Don't go away. 
let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for the City Business News on Eyewitness News. The news is powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Adjuatin Kramar Domina. Let's have the details now. As the IMF mission staff nears conclusion for the first major assessment of its program with Ghana, the City Business News is learning that some fruitful engagements have gone on to unlock Ghana's next disbursement. Here's a report by City Business News' Nilati Lati. Sources close to City Business News confirmed that the two sides, that's government, being represented by officials from the Ministry of Finance and the Bank of Ghana, as well as the visiting staff, have so far had some constructive and productive discussions. The indication is that Ghana has shown remarkable resilience when it comes to economic performance and policies underlining the first review of the extended credit facility. Simply some steady progress has been made. But beyond the performance assessment, what more is left for Ghana? The IMF has some further expectations on external debt servicing. Julie Kozak is the IMF's Director of Strategic Communications. She has been speaking on Ghana's status in Washington, D.C. Um, our mission is currently in Accra to assess performance and discuss policies for the first review of the program with a view to presenting the, the review to the Executive Board in November. The next steps on debt restructuring are for the official creditor committee to agree with the authorities on the specific modalities of debt relief and for the authorities to continue to engage with their external private creditors um, for relief on their external debt. Uh, These discussions are ongoing and we hope that the OCC, the official creditor committee, and the Ghanaian authorities will find an agreement soon. Uh, The government has recently finalized the restructuring of its domestic debt. Ghana's IMF-supported program is still hinged on restoring macroeconomic stability and debt sustainability. The balance Ghana has to find is to strengthen revenue collection and cut down on public expenditure to ensure fiscal consolidation. The country's chances of securing the next tranche of 600 million US dollars remains high should it be successful in this review pending the IMF's board's decision in November. That was a report by City Business News' Nilati Late. Now a banking consultant, Dr. Richmond Tuahini, has cautioned against proposals to restructure the balance sheet of the National Investment Bank, NIB. Dr. Tuahini argues that such restructuring may have negative consequences for the bank's future obligations as NIB is already facing significant financial challenges with liabilities exceeding 2 billion Ghana cities. He believes that proper recapitalization is a solution to address NIB's financial difficulties, dismissing plans of merging NIB with ADB because ADB lacks the operational and financial capacity for such a takeover. Yesterday, I could hear somebody saying that what the government should do is that their unpaid loans should be turned into equity. You know, NIB doesn't need equity like that. It needs capital injection, cash. It's not restructuring the position. You know, when you convert the, the unpaid loans into equity, you haven't injected cash. The NIB is cash strap, liquid strap. 
so that you need somebody who would inject money in after clearing the budget so that you can run it. In accounting, there's a different, there's a book entry. What they are talking about is a book entry. It's not cash injection. The bank needs cash to work, not restructuring of uh, loans into equity. They are talking about converting the, bond, the loans into bonds and giving them people. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that we should make sure that there is a proper cash injection. The bar of all the loans that has not been paid so that the bank can come back. And the second question is that looking at the current position of NIB, if you, if you lift it up and say somebody should take it over, it's not that ADD that can take over. It hasn't got the strength. Dr. Richmond Ituahini is a banking consultant and before we go, Vodafone Ghana has reaffirmed its unwavering dedication to bolstering small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs, within the country. This commitment was emphasized at the Vodafone Ghana Business Runway 2023 event. Speaking on the sidelines of the event, Chief Executive Officer for Vodafone Ghana, Patricia Obonai, stressed the importance of equipping SMEs with the knowledge and strategies needed to enhance the operations and foster growth. We are calling it the Vodafone Business Runway. We've done it for many years now. What we do is to bring experts. So it's not about Vodafone Business again. It's about the companies who are here today. And you can see a room of about 500 people with over 1,000 people all watching on CCTV, FM stations, and, and online. right? And the essence is to bring experts to the table to explain to them how to run their businesses better and to grow and to expand, but to expand more efficiently. So we've talked about tax, which is a topic nobody likes, right? But to Today, if you look at the expert, he's explained to us how to be tax compliant and how to keep your books. We've discussed structure of businesses, how to structure your business so that your business can grow. We've talked about how to brand, how to sell yourself on social media. So we've been very deliberate about the topics here. And we brought two banks to help them to discuss funding, financing, etc. So this is, we don't just talk. We invest in, in businesses, we invest in our partners because it's important that we see them grow and that's why we're doing Chief Executive Officer of Vodafone Ghana, Patricia Obonai. Then that's how we wrap up this evening's edition of City Business News. On Eyewitness News, it was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Adjoatin Kramadomna. Thank you for listening, but up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Three minutes to the top of the hour. 
This is the Point Blank segment of Eyewitness News. My name is Salom Adun. Tonight, my guest is Richard Ahiagba, who is the governing party's director of communications. He's been doing a lot of work around the country explaining positions taken by government and the party and tonight he's graciously agreed an interview with us hi richard uh, welcome to point blank it's been a while Thank you, Salom. Yes, it's been a while. How, what have you been up to? I mean, after uh, a sin off, I mean, and a few other things, we've really not seen you around here. Yeah. Well, I've been listening and watching you on TV and radio. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> I, I see. But, I mean, it, it appears that when, when one thing is getting, you know, resolved, something else pops up. So, so last week, I mean, we, we experienced this Occupy GDB, uh, um house demo in Accra and, and all the matters around the police, etc., just when that was dying down today i mean some Ghanaians in the uk also demonstrated to occupy uh, uh the 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 high commission in 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 the uk that that's surely of course is it's an expression of their democratic right mm. but but is it not becoming too much for a government that, that that claims to be doing well that claims to have done unprecedented things that every now and then you have demonstrations you know here and there so for example on monday there is another demonstration against the bog by extension government you know the minority is seeking to occupy the bog etc now this this young people in the uk demonstrating against what they call hardship and poor governance in Ghana. that should also be, be a bit disturbing for you as, as as a communicator for the ruling party yeah, thank you very much, Solomon. Uh, very good evening to your listeners. Um, I, I, I think that the world is uh, uh, in a very difficult place. Uh, so demonstrations, uh, especially democratic countries, are seeing increasing numbers of demonstrations, not only Ghana. And, and it is good that way when people have the occasion uh, to be able to demonstrate and express their feelings. Government, uh, governments listen. I know especially our government uh, listens. Um, tomorrow, uh, there's going to be a train strike in, in London. Uh, it's a demonstration uh, over conditions of service. And mm -hmm. this has been carrying on for a long time. And because there's hardship, because there's difficulty, this is a global situation. So Ghana is not in this alone. Mm. Um, the demonstration, though I won't say the name, I'm, I'm opposed uh, to the name uh, given to that demonstration in Ghana, uh, the recent one by the Democracy Hub. Uh, while I support their right uh, inherent to demonstrate, um, I'm opposed to the name. You see, the concerns they raise, these are the same concerns driving people in the United Kingdom to mm. demonstrate. So the right to demonstrate is, is fully guaranteed. But let's look at the issues. If I were them, I wouldn't demonstrate because I would have appreciated the, 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 the situation. If you were, were in their shoes, I wouldn't, their shoes, you, I wouldn't, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't yeah, have because, demonstrated. No, I wouldn't have because really what is the point? You, you understand the situation. Right, you know what is happening in your country and in the world. Mm. So the demonstration must have a purpose. 
What is the driving factor behind that? Is there that intentionally something is not happening? The resources are there. The, the conditions are right for certain things to be done and it's not being done or mm. are not being done. Then I have a cause to demonstrate. But to demonstrate because it has, it has a, a good political soundbite or maybe it creates a certain environment, um, I think that that probably no, is... The thing that's general misgovernance or bad governance, I mean, the hardship, of course, hardship is everywhere. Mm. But where you see your governments trying to solve the problem, trying to reflect the mood of the people then that we, 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 we can say yes, you know, we, we understand what's happening. But where you have totally opposite, an, an, an opposite of what the realities are, you're not seeing a reflection of what the problem is in the way leaders behave, etc. That should be cause for concern. So the roads are bad, yes. hospitals, they can't get the care they need. You know, we just talked about kidney dialysis at the Kolebu Teaching Hospital. You know, the fee increase astronomically without recourse to the mother body. And a whole lot of it appears nothing is happening. And so, that is their concern. So, so Salam, you know, w w one of the problems we have is that uh, once an issue comes up mm. and it's bad, uh, it's a bad news, People don't know or people don't take the time mm. to trace the source of the matter. Summarily, they blame it on government. Mm. These uh, kidney dialysis matter you're talking about are issues that are yet to be approved. Mm. They are issues in their initial stages. Mm. But then the implementation, I think the Kolobo has come up to be able to deal with this matter. So, so the the, I mean, but in, I'm just in, saying, in essence, it I'm means the center cannot hold. No, so, no, so, it's not. So no, there's no. a lot of disorder. No, people no, do, no. people who know what to do yeah. are refusing to do the right thing because they feel there's a total well, you know, you see, so breakdown on. of order. You know, what, but so somebody must, must call you, the shots. If you let me hold uh, finish, mm. then right here in this in this studio there mm. are people you hold accountable mm. you have a general manager you have a managing director mm. right but then you don't go straight to them if anything goes wrong on this program mm. you find the individual responsible at your level mm. and then allocate the responsibilities and the failure to them mm. but here we don't have that people summarily just go and blame government Right, but mm. something is happening in Kolebu. People in Kolebu, by their governance structure, have responsibilities. Mm. That's what I think that you, the media, can help us say that no, this is not government, this is the individual failing to do their job. Because why? If you represent a government by President Akufuado, for example, you want to say that what happened in Kolebu, Akufuado, then sanction that to, do, to be done? It mm. cannot be. So we need to identify the issues, make sure that everybody at their level who is a leader mm. take responsibility because at that level, they have been mandated, empowered to take that piece of uh, responsibility and exercise it for the benefit of Ghanaians. If they fail, let's look at them and assign the responsibility. Let's not move all the time and say it's government, it's the president, it's MPP. That's not the better way of assessing the issue because then we'll miss the point mm. because they can then you know allocate their, their failures to other people and yeah, that has they, happened they, a, long, they, a lot of times. They, they feel there is impunity. Nobody no, is punished no, 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 for wrongdoing. No, no, I mean, no, no. so nobody actually no. cares. So they it's go just, ahead and do what they want to do. It's just how we've been processing the issue. Mm. Okay, that's how we process the issue. It's not about uh, responsibility uh, or people are not being held to account. It's just because people feel that, oh, if it happens, they are buying, they'll blame government for it. Mm. And that's the problem. And you and I have a responsibility when we sit to talk about these things to allocate the responsibilities or the failures to where they belong. Mm. Then we can ask that action be taken. So if we, we agree to say that, okay, well, who made that summary decision mm. to begin charging people these amounts without proper approval? Mm. Then we say it is Mr. A. Okay, Mr. A, why did you do that? 
the consequences is that you'll be removed or you'll be sanctioned then we can say that we we have the authority please ministry of health or ministry of what can you take action on this so then we're allocating the, uh, the responsibility appropriately rather than summarily just dumping it on government when we do that it creates appearance of uh, you know misgovernance it cre creates appearance of something being done on toward mm. which, which in actual fact is not the case so 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 i mean talking about protests etc i mean we saw the occupy Julobi house you don't want to mention it but we should, we we, should we, we, but, but, but that's a name really but we, we but saw a wrong name we, 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 we saw acceptable. we saw you know how the demonstrators you know came face to face with the police even though you you acknowledge their rights to demonstrate yes. it does appear that this government is quite averse to demonstrations and so anytime there is a demonstration the government uses allegedly the force of the police the power of the police to try and and suppress that right so the people are unable to demonstrate. They run to court. They do this. They do that. You know, change your route. Do this. You can't go here. You can't go there. And in the end, they frustrate the demonstrators. Demonstrations are usually symbolic. Where I want to go to is for a reason. The route I want to use is for a reason. The day I want to do the demonstration is for a reason. For symbolic purposes. But the police will, will try to change all of that. Making the thing meaningless. There's a view that government is, is, is allegedly using... The, the, it's agencies like the police to suppress, you know, such, such democratic expressions. You know, sort of, you are, you are a lawyer, and uh, if it was okay for anybody to just do anything they wanted in a democracy, there would be no rules, mm. right? The Public Order Act exists for a reason. People must comply with a certain basic minimum guidelines to be able to exercise their right. Because, you know, there's an interface, mm. right? Your right and my right. There's an intersection where we don't cross to a point where you jeopardize my right by trying to exercise yours. Mm. So if they want to demonstrate and the police engaging them to say, please, this is acceptable, that's not acceptable, it's just a, a thing of building a consensus to agree which way to go. The symbolism of what, you, what you're doing, which is the demonstration, will be fully realized if you go, you actually come on the street to express your views. Mm. It is not a path you go that uh, validates the, the, no, the, 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 the path the path is important. It, For example, it, it I, I want to demonstrate right, towards but, the Jubilee House. Yes. And yes. you tell me I should go to an independent square. But, but then if what if you can't go to the Jubilee House? Why why can't I go, why can't I go to the ah, Jubilee House? People know. have demonstrated you along and I, the route. You and I were not security people, but no, no, but people have demonstrated on that. But route. I agree, but there are there are time and season for everything. Without giving any no, tangible on, any on, tangible explanation or reason. But who needs tangible reasons? No, but presently, hold on. The public must hold on, hold on. I'm saying that if you are living in Ghana today, you want additional explanation and justification for reasons why you can't go to the Jubilee House and demonstrate. I, I'm wondering what your political awareness level is. In our sub-region, you realize what is happening by the minute, by the day. Mm. The threat levels have heightened. And so you think that it should just be okay that allow them to go? The no, circumstances, but, but, hold on, mm. the circumstances are not the same. I think that a very recent demonstration by, I think, Arise Ghana or one of those groups went to the Jubilee House, isn't it? Mm. Right? So, so under the circumstance, it was permissible for them to do it. 
police could manage that. But where you realize that this may degenerate the potential and the environment you're operating in, you cannot allow the same but, thing. But send them to a place which is close to the venue. Don't take them. Don't tell them you go to I'm, Independence I'm, Square. You know, honestly, I'm not going to hold brief for the police, mm. but I'm only telling you that on a common sense basis, mm. with the environment we are in, if they say don't go to the Jubilee House, I will understand. So, so, now, so, now they have to engage them to, have, to find an acceptable place. Mm. I have myself indicated that I disagree with the handling of the, the, the demonstrated on the uh, demonstrators on the day. Mm. Now, what is necessary is dialogue to come to a, a reasonable conclusion to allow citizens to express their feelings. And I tell you, uh, Salon, to correct the impression, this government and this party Mm. It's not opposed to people demonstrating. Since we've been in government, and you have... You're you, opposed you've to dissent. No, no, we're not. We're not. And that impression must be corrected to the extent that people have demonstrated. Now, you see, when, when there is demonstration, people go out, the atmosphere is charged, and things happen, right? Mm. That cannot be a, an, a system direction to say that we will not allow demonstration. Things mm. happen. Mm. But the inherent right for people to notify and get on the street to demonstrate since this government has been in power, some I can remember at least about five of them, people have gone peacefully. Even my good friend Martin Pebu uh, organized his one person demonstration. He went no, that, and that, came that was back. a demonstration which was well attended. Yes, they, they I'm saying. Re reloaded. Yes, I'm saying. Mm. He, went, he went and came home, right? Mm. Why are we not referencing that? So the, the, the circumstances of the events must be taken into account. Mm. Let's not have these blanket generalizations and say that under this government, people won't allow demonstration. And all. Who we are mm, reflects the, the allowance of people to express their values and, and, and by way of demonstrating, uh, express their frustration by way of demonstrating. So as a party and as a government, that avenue is there. But the only thing you want to ensure, and if you are, uh, uh, you are minded to be fair about these issues, you would come to agree, Salom, that if there are uh, circumstances preventing people from having to demonstrate at the Jubilee House, and you are told not to go there, it cannot be equal to dis, uh, disallowing people from demonstrating. Mm. So, now, so how the police handle it example, is a separate the, thing. The, the minority, mm. the minority will on Monday demonstrate, right. you know, against the BOG and all the things mm. they, they have done or captured in the Auditor General's report. But you see how they have struggled to get to this point. You know, they, they wanted to do this before. The police came back to say this and that and that and that. Two, three at, at times, they, they have, they've had to postpone it. And we don't even know what the police will have, you know, up their sleeves for the Monday demonstration. Give no, no. so notice from over a month, last minute you run to court, you know, and, and all of that. That is to suppress it. And no. there's a view that the system sanctions that. Salam, you are falling for this, uh, the, the, the politics of people. You know, when, when you are engaging with government there's always or in any negotiation situation there's always the the the, the desire to get more right mm. to push a bit more and get a bit more so people who want to demonstrate will push who want to get this consensus must be built and consensus is just is not a point defined mm. on a, on a straight line right it is to the extent to which people are willing to give in and to take out so when people are negotiating i want this you said no you can't have that maybe you can have this that negotiation cannot be said to be 
preventing people from demonstrating. Because if you are going to demonstrate at the Jubilee House, is a, a proper security area. Under the circumstances, things are tough. You don't want to just take chances. If you want to go and demonstrate at BOG, we want to negotiate because we deem that place as a security zone. It's a very crowded area. We want to make sure that it's managed. We want to understand. That dialogue is in its nature democracy. Mm. I'm, I'm surprised that it's lost on us. That negotiation and dialogue, by definition, is democracy. Mm. So why don't we engage that? Get into the process of agreeing. And once we agree and the path is, is, is taken, then people can go there and express their views. Mm. But it cannot be that. It cannot be that as citizens who by themselves, uh, in whom the power resides, want to jeopardize the same power they have handed no, people. I'm, I'm, to not sure about, I'm, not, I'm not sure so about they wanting saying, to jeopardize. It's an expression because, of their democratic rights. But, no, no, but I agree, and, but and you yes. cannot. Well, you see, you where know, your rights, rights start... It, and know, somebody, ends, starts, somebody starts. Yes, I, I so get, to the I get extent that, to the extent that they want to go to the Jubilee House, mm -hmm. somebody says that there's a security concern that you can't go there. Mm -hmm. It is not to say you cannot demonstrate. Find but an you alternative can keep them path. So, for Let's example, before it, when this was done, they were they were put at the at the Afrikiko area. You can put them at 37. You can put them somewhere yeah. just to show that they are close to the place they want to yeah. be. Uh, but to take them to Independence Square, which is in direct. Which is which is in the opposite direction entirely. Yeah. That is a difficult. But, 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 but it's a significant. I, I it's a, a significant national space I, I where when you go, you can still make your point. You know the demonstration. <laughs> they are not occupying Independence House, uh, Independence Square, the Black Star Square. But, they are seeking to name, occupy. Oh, the well, you've given it and then Occupy Jubilee House, yes. right? So Occupy Jubilee House. Then you but take because of security square. concerns, mm. because of security you concerns, you can't occupy it. Yeah, you can't go there. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm not I, I think you need to let me understand if you say that. It is okay whether police wants it, whether it's safe or not. They should just go there no, because that, that, they want that, to. No, that's not the point. Well, if that's not the mm. point, then what is the point? No, the point the is point that, is that you can't go, go there mm. because there's a security concern. So what is the alternative agreement to do it? Mm. That's what we have to talk about. So, but if so you're saying end, that you can't let them go there, in, in, so in that's the end, in the end, they did not go to the independence square. Doesn't mean in the end, they didn't go to the independence square. Government ends up getting a lot of bad press, but they ended up doing what they wanted to do. Not necessarily going to the Jubilee House, but they came close to the Jubilee House, which was okay. Nothing happened. This didn't happen. Yes, I tell you that. I tell you, nothing happened. Government is not engaging citizens to gain advantage by way of stopping them. Very well. It is to make sure that we are all safe. That we. Don't degenerate in the situation that will worsen things for yeah, all. But what us. happened on the so first day was worse than could have happened if they were allowed to, to demonstrate. But, but generally, see, it is because the, the the organizers and the police could not find a meeting ground mm. to agree on what democratically their engagement should lead to. Very so well. that disagreement is what created that. That cannot be allocated to anybody outside that uh, negotiation platform. They engaging police can't come to an agreement to say that go here okay we'll go there and there's peace but when you become confrontational and mm. trying to create a problem that will jeopardize the peace and stability of the country the police have a responsibility and i tell you that on the day i disagree with the, the handling the police, of the situation well. this is but, a point blank we were speaking we to richard Ahiagba, who is director of communications of the ruling new patriotic party we're dealing with a number of issues uh, richard um, the party you speak for or you the party whose, whose uh, communication you direct appears to be in some turmoil. One of your, your, your founding members, Alan Chermantin, this week resigned from your party. He's gone to form his own movement for change, seeking to lead that movement against your party in the next election. That should send shivers down the spine of the ruling party, no? 
Well, it hasn't, um, but it's we are MPP. Yes, we are. That, the, that, the, the, his his move, you know, best the 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 hashtag we are MPP. That yeah. surely it's is 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 symptomatic of a group that is that has been shaken to its no, core and no, wants to rally not around not at all, not a hashtag. Not at all. The New Patriotic Party is resolute and is focused. Mm. Uh, it's a party that is grounded in tradition. It's not a party that is wavering. It's a party that knows where we come from, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. So we have we have our our senses well placed. Mm. Now it's unfortunate, uh, uh, gross, uh, very very sad for me uh, that uh, a very seasoned uh, politician, a leader, a founding member of our party, would one day just leave the party. Something he's helped build, mm. I think, is most unfortunate. But I've learned something a long time ago that if you're a leader, you mold consensus. You don't mm. search for consensus. Mm. You mold it. He said he's you been trying to do that. He's been well, trying well, to do that. It's, he's, it's, he's raised it's the issue at many places. And his supporters are being attacked. Ah. Anybody who identifies with Alan, you know, uh, is viewed with so much I, disdain I, 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 let me just and all of that. That, that. Those are excuses. Exit excuses. No, but, but he feels no, it. I'm he just saying that it, those it. are exit excuses. What the, uh, the deputy minister for finance, mm. Abna Osayasari, mm. supported him. Her seat is under threat. No, hold on. I'm saying that. But while she was supporting him, she was still a deputy minister. Mm. My own brother, uh, John Peter Mew, mm -hmm. minister for railways, supported him. Mm -hmm. He's still in place, mm. right? Whether your city is under threat or not, that's democracy, right? Mm. So it's not as if that anybody but, but, has but a But there's preference. a view that because you no, identify with him, the system will sponsor candidates. I'm to, not sure about to, that. To but you see, you can him. have any number of things to say about anything, mm. right? If you want to just bastardize something, have anything to mm. say about it. Even God... Right, people had reason to criticize him. Mm. Right, so so for any given situation, you can't have anything to say. It, it about says that people, but I'm only telling you that have hijacked the party. I don't know who you know? they are. Mm. I don't know who those people are. Mm. This this particular presidential primaries was one of the cleanest. Mm. The processes were very transparent and open. In fact, uh, last Tuesday I was on a program with uh, Honorable Kennedy Japan's uh, uh, manager, campaign manager, my own brother uh, Kwame Wusu. Mm credited the uh, presidential election committee, election committee for having done a yeoman's job. Mm. The same committee. No, it's, it's not so, necessarily about the committee. Uh, but, but who but, is no, managing the no, process? No, no, it says leadership. And he, he, in fact, in but a he, 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 he took the problem beyond the, 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 the executives or the party. You know, he feels that there are hands somewhere Directing affairs on seen hands, and he, said point he, he did not want to, to, to lift the veil. He said he will not lift the veil uh, now. By you, by you, the man is out of the boat. Mm. So if there's somebody in the boat and he, no, lost, he he's been part oh, of the on, process. Hold on, so. no, I'm saying that he, he's out of the boat, and if he's concerned about the boat being steady, and he has people in the boat that he loves, and he wants the boat to steady up, then he should say who they are. Right mm. now, the cat is out of the bag. So, what so, is he so waiting for? He talks Why about anti-Kukwa sentiments. Now, Kukwa himself has said that if if you don't deal with the factionalism in the party, it, it, it may destroy the party. It obviously means that there are factions in the party with so much competing interests. Marcelo. That, 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 Marcelo, that, that Marcelo, may Marcelo. likely destabilize or destroy the party no manage well. That those are two different things. Mm. If you say there are some unseen hands hijacking the party, no, no, we've moved I'm coming. Yeah, mm. I'm saying, but there's none. Absolutely none. Mm. But you can find any number of bad things to say about a good thing if you want to. Mm. If I put Bible here, you find all sorts of things in it that is terrible. You can say a number of things. Mm. So people are just saying things because that's what suits their position. Mm. 
the the very point the former president uh, John Ajekunku first made, I think that, I mean, uh, the perception of fashion in the party exists. But for me, I don't belong to any fashion. I belong to the New Patriotic Party. Mm. And I know many, many, many people belong to the New Patriotic Party. I don't know who says they belong to any fashion. But if the perception exists, let's deal with it. It's like you and I, even in this, your working environment. There are people you get along with more. Mm. There are people you don't, you just, you can casually engage them. If that's what people are calling fashionalism, but if that I don't grows know. to the extent to... of destroying the work or the workplace relationship, then that in is a problem. Fourth Republic, mm. The new patriotic party has not done badly at all. Hmm. I, we've not done badly at all. So really, it's a human institution. These challenges exist. It's work in progress. We're working at it. But it shouldn't be that at this material moment, anybody will conclude that this party has gone to a certain place that is irredeemable. Mm. That is not true. Those perceptions are people's perception feathering their interests and politics. Mm. And I think that we should all be mindful about the direction of the party, the mission of the party, captured in our constitution to say that we are a group of people with a certain value system, driving a certain objective to achieve development for this country. And that is the predominant thing that we must, we must all seek to promote, rather than the personal inter interpersonal relationship matter that creates problem. That is not the, the preeminent thing. The preeminent thing is that we have a certain idea to move Ghana from where we are to a place where all of us as citizens will be given the opportunity to uh, live our God-given potentials and realize development for our country. That is the idea that we must, we must work towards. That's Richard Ahiaba, Director of Communications for the New Patriotic Party. It's been my guest on Point Blank tonight. That's how we end the program today. Show's been produced by Cobna Welsing and Beverly London. Earlier, you heard Adjoa. You heard Abnal Dumia. Production assistance has been given by Daniel Squashy. My name is Selom Adunu. Join me tomorrow at 9 a.m. for the big issue where we discuss the topical issues for the week with insightful guests. Up next is Post Panorama. Have a good evening. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.